Hey guys, welcome to The Real Shit with Britt and Wit. This is Whitney. And this is Brittany. And this is the podcast that's here to make you feel normal in your everyday life. Hi guys, we have Hello. an amazing guest on today that Wit and I are so excited about. She's actually a good friend of ours. Um, Lindsay Clough is married to Parker, who is Mark, my husband's childhood friend. So we, we kind of well, me and Lynn's go back when I met Mark, but like m- our husbands go back way to the childhood. <laughs> um, that's how we know each other. She has three kids and five chickens. She wants to be a farmer when she grows up and own a mental health clinic at the same time. She thinks life is too short to just have one career. Lindsay loves personal development and learning about the spirit, the brain and the body and how it all fits into this crazy life. Lindsay is certified as a life coach from the Life Coach School in 2021 and became a marriage and family life coach that specializes in husbands and wives trying to reconnect after pornography and infidelity. She loves what she does, even though it can be a messy business. And I have to just say really quick, I have personally worked with Lindsay um, through some of my own personal traumas, and she is just absolutely incredible. So we are excited to have you on. Lindsay, say hi to everyone. Hi, and thank you so much. I loved working with you. So um, people will sometimes be like, "Um, why did you pick that niche? It sounds very dramatic. Do you like drama? And it's not that I like drama, but one of my other coaches said to me once that um, sometimes you can look at someone's career and see that it's totally a trauma response. And I think that's how it was for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Um, A little bit of my story is um, back in 2018, I had an emotional affair. And what happened was just that I, I think that my resentment and my victim mentality bubbled over and it left me susceptible to um, connecting with, like emotionally connecting with someone that wasn't my husband. It was a guy at work. And um that really just took me down this crazy journey and that's just like the short end of it but like my husband um used pornography for a long time um I say to buffer negative emotions which just means like you don't want to feel your emotions and so you use something else to help you numb out or to release emotions and stuff like that Um, I think that the word addiction is actually overused and very disempowering. So I won't necessarily refer to pornography as an addiction, but I will use it like, I mean, if it's like a true blue one, but I'll probably say like, oh, usage instead of like addiction. So that's just something random. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, it is. Very, I think very interesting. And I kind of like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just met with a lot of clients who will be like, I have a pornography addiction. And they come to you and they're just so like disempowered. And one of the things we first work on is the power of words. So that's where that came from for me. I love that because I do. I think so many people, I've only ever heard of it like that. Like, oh, a addiction, addiction, pornography, addiction. Right. And I, I kind of like that. It is very, um, I don't know. 
I feel like there's so many things you can be addicted to. So I just, I like hearing that it's a different, putting a different spin. on it. it does put a different spin on it. And I think it, it almost puts a more hopeful spin on it. I feel a little bit like when you hear yeah. the word addiction, there is such like negative connotation. I do think people use it way, way too much. So I don't know. I like that. That sounds, I like that a lot. Thanks. Yeah. I, um, pornography not that we wanted to just like jump right into pornography, right? But um, pornography, infidelity, all those things are really a symptom of something much deeper. And um, when I realized that, this is going to sound weird, but I got very excited because I think a lot of people identify themselves as like, um, oh, I'm somebody who has affairs or I am somebody who betrays my spouse or like my spouse is a betrayer or I'm somebody who uses a lot of porn. But when we identify as somebody who does that, we, that's another thing that's disempowering. And so it's like when we can have grace for ourselves and we can realize that it's a symptom of something much deeper that really the root cause of needing or like having an affair or needing pornography in our lives is just an inability to tolerate the negative emotions that are just like swirling around in our bodies and um it usually comes from like years of not even understanding our own selves right i i like to think of our bodies as like a and our brains as like this supercomputer and then it's like handing a super com- computer to like a grandma and the grandma's like I don't really know how to work this right and so we have these cool brains we have these cool bodies but we don't know that much about them we just like expect them to wake up in the morning and do exactly what we need. And then when we run into problems, it's like, what the heck? Why aren't you doing what I want? And we get very frustrated and then we don't know what to do with that frustration. And so we use external things to regulate us instead of learning how to regulate ourselves internally. So that is incredible to know like this is why I love Lindsay you guys this is why I love you because I think when you speak to someone that just has so much knowledge in this stuff it's like eye-opening to the people like myself that don't and I'm learning so much about our brains and our nervous systems and all of our traumas just through my own experience in the last you know however long and um I love what you're saying because even in my own personal world the things that I struggle with when you kind of work through it, you do really, you're like, why can't I stop doing this? Like, like I struggle with like OCD rumination type behaviors, right? Where like my thoughts are just like ruminating thoughts. And, and you're right. It comes from a deeper meaning. It isn't like, I just want to be doing this thing all the time. It's I'm doing it. It's like my, that's my, my mind's way of like almost coping with the traumas I have inside, right? Like that's what you're saying. So when you, when you know, and you learn about that, it it was almost empowering for me to be able to go, oh my gosh, this is like the OCD talking. This is not me. 
And this is coming from a place of, you know, where I don't feel enough or things like that. So anyway, what you're saying, it's interesting. Yeah, just really resonates so much. I love that. Yeah. So I don't like I'm a, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm Christian. um, And I, I believe that we kind of have like we, I want to talk about the brain, but I, I want to talk about this first. I believe that we have kind of multiple parts to us, right? Like I believe that we have a spirit um, and then we have kind of more like our natural man tendencies. I believe that I was, we grow up that sometimes our brain in order to like handle trauma can fracture and it creates like these little pockets of almost character like people within our own self. So it's like, like almost like you have a devil and an angel on your shoulder where you're like, oh, I'm totally going to go do that. And then all of a sudden part of you is like, oh no, you're not. And you have that internal struggle back and forth. And it's just like the different parts of you um, that are struggling to like be seen and be heard. Now I've heard of people refer to them as um, like, what do they call them? The false self and or ego or um, natural man or things like that. But to me, it's actually, I would, I would prefer to word it as like my wounded self, like the part of me that is holding a lot of my trauma and then like my spiritual self. And then maybe like my childhood self, like my younger self that didn't know how to even cope with a lot of the things that happened to me as a, as a child. Um, and so that way I just feel like it offers more grace when we call them the wounded self instead of, oh yeah, that's my fault self or that's my ego, right? It's like when yeah. we are in our wounded self, we might have kind of like more like asshole tendencies where we're really protective or we're really defensive or we're re- really critical. But if we look at it, it's not, they don't really have a bad part. There's not a bad part. It's just we learned how to cope and deal and protect ourselves. And so I'll find that my clients who um, use a lot of pornography or have affairs and stuff, like they have this really wounded part. And then they also have this part, which sometimes we'll call like their inner addict, where um, like if we really take a look at that character, we'll realize that it's a younger character and it doesn't know how to cope. And so it uses pornography or uses Netflix or uses video games or whatever. Um, Now, like going to the brain part. um, Wait, I want to cut in really fast. And um, you guys, if you don't hear wit for the rest of this, she's having some technical difficulties and her she's no longer with us. So if you don't hear her, that is why um, she's devastated. Her system is shutting down at home. So um, it's just Lindsay and I from here on out. I want, sorry, Lindsay, I just wanted to let people know where it went. Um, but I do want to say on what you're talking with when we work together, um, she did, Lindsay had me kind of sit at the table with all of my younger selves and all of my parts. And it was incredible. It was the first time anyone's really ever taught me that 
and showed me that and, and helped me see there are different and younger sides of me. And, um, it was really, it was, it was powerful. Um, learning about your higher self and seeing some of the different parts and, and that. So anyway, I just wanted to say that too, because that was a really powerful thing. I remember when we, when we worked together. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the information to like link it in the show notes, but if anybody is interested in hearing more about that, the author and the guy who kind of came up with the concept, his name is Richard Schwartz and the book is called No Bad Parts Um, and the practice is just called Internal Family Systems. So um, anyways, I think that it's very important that when we're here like on this earth for whatever reason, whoever you believe in, whatever your spiritual beliefs are, I think that we come as these sweet little innocent babies and then we have to go through life and part of going through that life is coming back together becoming one like our spirit and our body and our brain and trying to unify them and I think that we get distracted a lot and that's why I refer to like Netflix or video games guys I'm not against Netflix like I watch it all the time um you're more just but saying like, like people just yeah I'm just saying like just these watch. are these are just external distractions that keep us um outside of our bodies so that we don't even we're not even aware of what's going on inside and so then sometimes when our body is like think of it as a child like the, the child's like mom 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 <laughs> right <laughs> Like I have three kids and that's my youngest. My not my youngest just goes straight from like mom. And um and that's kind of how our bodies get. We are so outside of ourselves these days like externally, we're always on social media, we're always hurrying, we're always in a yeah. rush. And so we don't pay attention to our bodies. So, you know, right before bed, we don't even know what's happening because we're on our phones. And then right when we wake up, we don't know what's happening because we're on our phones. And so our bodies start screaming at us and giving us all these signs and symptoms where it's like craving pornography more or you want to feel alive. So all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm in an affair and I feel so alive. Well, that's because you're just triggering all the feel-good emotion, like chemicals in your brain that you haven't felt in a really long time in huge doses. And so it makes you think, oh, yeah, I'm totally in love with this person. But it's really like the thoughts about the person, the thoughts about being in a new, fresh, like fun, yeah. dangerous sort of situation that are creating these chemicals. So well, I want to jump back for just a second because we kind of just dove right in. So yeah, for our listeners. So that's how you were saying that's how you even got into this career choice is, is however many years ago, you and your husband had these situations going on in your marriage, right? So there was, you know, things that he was doing, you kind of felt the resentments, because I think that's going to resonate with listeners, right? Because marriage is not easy. No relationships are not easy. And so I want to just kind of step back for a second, kind of, you know, really let people know that everybody's going through stuff and and you have these things where one spouse might struggle with something and then you start having those resentments. And then, like you said, you're at work and you kind of are, well, I felt empty in my marriage for X amount of time. Right. So Mm -hmm. then you're 
someone and it's like the things you're lacking thereof, you're, it, it almost becomes like a high, right? Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it's not even like even about that person. Sometimes it, right. It's like, you, it just feels yep. good to be wanted again, to be noticed again, to have those things. Yep. So that's kind of, do you want to step back for a sec and maybe just talk about where you went from there into transitioning into then helping people. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, no, I think I know part of the problem with where Parker and I were at was um, both of us were sensing, like we were both very busy. We were both sensing like a disconnect within our own marriage Um, I was feeling like a victim, um, because I had not really dealt with the fact that Parker was using pornography. Um, and I just grew up being taught that like pornography was like the worst thing ever. And if you were looking at it, then you weren't worthy and you were going to turn into like, like I remember taking this self-defense course in college, like a few classes and everything. And then being like, yeah, pornography is the gateway to becoming a pedophile. And like all these things, (laughs) just like, there's all these like stereotypes. And then like, and it was something that people, I'm 35. It wasn't something that people like talked about. Right. When in reality, like, 80% of men have used pornography pornography at some point in their life. And like women, the the rates are getting higher. Last time I checked, I can be very wrong. So don't quote me on this. It was like 40%, but it's like on the rise. Right. Um, and and so like I just didn't know how to handle it and I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. Like, I didn't want to embarrass my husband. I didn't want people to think that he was going to be a pedophile, like, which is not like, yes, okay. You know, like Ted Bundy was like, oh yeah, I like porn, but Ted Bundy had a lot of other issues and (laughs) it doesn't make somebody who uses porn like a Ted Bundy or a pedophile. Okay. (laughs) So let's like clear the water there. But, um, we just kind of found our own buffers in a way like we found our own ways to like regulate externally instead of going internally we blamed each other um and and so when this guy at work started like hitting on me at first I was really caught off guard and I was like is this for real life like no one finds me attractive and and so then it kept going and it kept going and I was like what is this happening well it, when you're in a new romance, there's a thing that happens and it's called, not all the time, but it's like this, it's a word called limerence. And it's sometimes where our brains will fantasize and kind of obsess over a new relationship. And then yeah. when you are obsessing over the new relationship or the new person, it's creating like a dopamine and epinephrine release like all those awesome chemicals the endorphins all going and um which are similar to what happens when you become addicted or you're 
have a heavy habit of using different things to buffer, right? Yeah. Um, well, don't you think too, that that's why so I think so many women struggle, like once we're married for so long, because we always miss that stage, because that yes. is just where we feel the most desired and wanting whatever. And so that's what Mark and I always joke about that is he's just like, I feel like you want to always be in a new relationship. And I'm like, well, I do, but with you, like, I want that stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. It's, you're it's like, amazing. you're my person, but it's I want those. Like your rush. Like when you go back to thinking about when you're dating, oh my gosh, the text messages he would send me. Are you kidding me? It was like beautiful romance. And yeah. And then you get married for how many pop kids out. There's life, there's shit. And you do, you just get kind of stagnant and And there's those little things. It's like your love changes, but I think a lot of, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Do men struggle with that out there? I just know women to kind of miss that new phase, but, and that's why Mark always says, well, he's always like, you're so worried that I'm going to go out and have an affair on you all the time. But he's like, the percentages of people having affairs higher are women because they miss that. And maybe he just made that statistic up. You'd probably... I was like, I don't know if that's true, but it's fine. <laughs> you might know better than me. You will have to tell him his statistics are wrong, but <laughs> anyway. I'll go like Google him again, but <laughs> he's always like, you'd be more prone to cheat because you want the new romance feeling. So I think as a lot of women out here listening, um, they, they would resonate with those feelings you had. I mean, we all want that. Okay. Carry on. Well, that's the thing is like, we do all want that. And like you were saying, it does, it feels amazing. It feels amazing to be wanted and to feel like you're being seen and all of that. But I'm going to tell you a super cool trick after I tell you this part about that. But it happens to men as well. And what happens is that like the body realizes that it cannot um, maintain that amount of like energy output right because as you're secreting like all these chemicals in your brain like in your brain's like trying to process and all that stuff like it does take more energy to do that and so I want to say it was like after a six month period anywhere from like four to six months like you'll start to know it notice that it tapers off and I had one client who was like oh okay that makes more sense because then I noticed like around the six month mark that's when I always start getting in more arguments with my boyfriend and then like and then I'll break up with them and then I'll get in a new relationship and I'll be obsessed with them to the point that I don't even want to pay my bills and then after like six months then we're arguing and I think that we're not a good match and so I break up with them and she's just like this perpetual dater because she's like kind of addicted to this like rush and then when it tapers off she thinks that something's gone wrong but really, it's just her body's natural way of being like, okay, you're like, you're safe with this person now and we can't maintain this energy level. So like, you know, so it's meant to happen the way that it does. Like we are not meant to stay in that like limerence, that high romance for that long because it does require a lot of energy. And so for you, when you were in, you know, you had this going on and we don't have to get into all the details, obviously, but at what point were you like, I can't do this. And then confess to your husband 
And then like, I'm just trying to get a little bit of the journey and pieces of like, what led you to be like, okay, I got to help people through this. So, um, I mean, honestly, like I knew it was wrong the whole time. And I was kind of just like, what the hell am I doing? And, um, I felt like a frog in boiling water, you know, that saying where it's like, oh, you jump in and it's like kind of cold and then you like turn up the temperature as it's in there and it's not going to jump out. Um, And so I would say it was like partway through and I was just like hitting rock bottom with this like secret, right? My integrity was just... I didn't have my integrity anymore. And I just like, I couldn't live like that. And I kept praying to God and being like, you have got to pull me out of this. Like, just pull me out of this. Um, But, you know, God, he, he's like, I'll do you one better. Like, I'm not going to yank you out of the boiling water, but I am going to teach you how to turn down the heat. I am going to teach you um, how to help yourself. So you never find yourself in a situation like this again, and that you have a lot more control and empowerment in your life. And when you learn how to do this, please help other people. Please help my children that are going through this because there's a reason and they need to understand that reason, right? It's not like you're just like a really shitty person. It's like there are reasons why people do shitty things and it's because they're hurting, right? Um, And then when I realized something that is so cool, and this is what I wanted to teach, was that um, our thoughts control everything. And basically what that is is Our brains are taking in data all the time and our brains are just giant computers. And so when we think a thought, then our brain will look for more proof for that thought to support it. And it's going to go to work, just like thinking other similar thoughts, finding um, like support for that same thought. But the thing is, is that that data, those thoughts what comes in triggers the chemical release in our limbic system. It travels over our neocortex of our brain. It triggers our limbic system, which is right below the neocortex. And then you have an emotion fused to the thought. So it's like, oh my gosh, she just like gave me the stink eye at the grocery store. And so then the motion that's going to come right after like rapid fire is going to be something along the lines of like disgust or indignation or something like that. And then that will trigger your nervous system and you will behave a certain way or not a certain way. Like you might not smile at her and wave because you're like, she just gave me the stink eye. Why would I smile at you and wave? Yeah. And it all just happens that fast. It happens so fast. And so a lot of the times we think we just had a feeling and then we become aware of the thought because it's happening so fast, but it's really a thought. And so when we think thoughts repeatedly and then we feel an emotion repeatedly, we are firing, which is the thought, 
And then we are wiring, which is the emotion. So when we think and feel wire, fire and wire, fire and wire, what happens is then the brain goes, okay, I'm going to download this onto the cerebellum, the subconscious. I'm going to write it there. And so now it can feel more automatic. It's a terrible thing. (laughs) It's like, it's cool, but it's not because the problem is, is then, um, you know, science is always changing, but for right now, I've been taught that out of our brain, like a majority of it is our subconscious. And then we use like 5% of it is our consciousness. Yeah. And so when you were talking about, um, it's not like I'm purposely trying to do my OCD tendencies. It's because you thought it and you felt it so many times, your brain just wrote it down onto your subconscious. And it's very ridiculously hard once it's in your subconscious because there is almost a veil between the consciousness and the subconsciousness. And so, like, thought work is awesome, but, like, it is kind of slow to rewrite over that programming that you've put in there for years. When you were talking, my first thought was, girl, I've been firing and wiring for 20 years. Like, so... So for the people listening that might have these things they're struggling with that have been firing and wiring for this long, and you're saying even just changing your thoughts, that's a, that their thought work is a slow process. So what is the quicker process? Like what does somebody like me need to be doing to kind of rewire these thoughts that I've just had for so many years? Because my traumas of being married twice, being married to users. I don't know if I want to say addicts. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, things right. like that. But I've always said addicts before. Um, right. And those traumas and all the things that pile on pile on. So then what you're saying, yeah, like the thoughts in my mind have then just always been in certain areas. And I've just been firing that for so many years of the same thing that now it's so automatic, like you're saying. And, and then the emotion that comes with it for me is like, is like, I feel depressed or I feel not good enough. Not right. Is that what you're saying? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's in the subconscious. It's just, it almost like became my belief. Yes. It does. It becomes a core belief. It's terrible. And so, so what would you say to the people out there kind of with these thoughts or these things? What is a quicker, what is the way to do it? I don't want to say quicker, but nothing's overnight. Right. But right. What, when you say thought work takes a while, were you going to say, so that's why you've got to do X, Y, Z? So like, this kind of goes into another subject. So I'm going to like pause you just for a minute. Sorry, we're Uh jumping around really fast. I did want to say that going back to our thoughts, like why our thoughts are so ridiculously powerful. And you gave a beautiful example of that, right? When we think something and then we feel it and we're firing it, wiring it, firing and wiring it. Whether like that was true or not, your body, your brain now thinks it's an absolute fact that those porn stars were better than you. That's why your husband was looking at them. And therefore now you're not good enough. Yeah. Right. And so and and at the time it felt like such a fact that your brain just like took it in, gobbled it up, imprinted it on there. 
And because you had such a strong emotional reaction, see, like, there are things where, like, you will have a thought and you might have a feeling, but it wasn't such a strong emotional reaction. And so then it wasn't like something that your brain was like, oh, I'm going to write this down, right? Like you have thoughts and you have feelings like all day long. Yeah. When they're more potent, that's when they like kind of start making their mark. Um, One of the thoughts that I had was that like I am broken. I I took it from childhood. I carried it with me through teenagehood. I fought with my mom. I dealt with my sisters had like a lot of health problems. Um, just like your not basic, but like basic trauma, basically. Yeah, like growing up sure. in a in a crazy family. Yeah. And um, and so I took that thought with me, and it's crazy because I literally like I never thought I'd have an affair. I thought my husband would have an affair before I ever did. Yeah. Then so I gave him that judgment and then I put on there that I was broken and then I manifested into breaking my family almost completely before I like pulled out of my nosedive and tried to rescue my family, right? Yeah. Like that's how powerful our thoughts are because they go to work. Every cell of our body starts to listen and tries to make it happen. Okay. So going back to what you asked, like how is a faster way? Um, I mean, really you can attack it from both ends and, but meditation is actually like a really, and visualization is a huge thing. Because okay, so I'm doing the right things then in my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, our brains have different brain brain wavelengths. Like we have beta brain wavelengths, and that's like kind of more when we're a little bit more anxious, or like there's different levels of it of beta brain waves. Um, and that's almost its like own topic. But we have beta brain waves. We have alpha. We have theta. Um. I think there's one more that I'm forgetting right now. But anyways, like right before you go to sleep or when you're in a light meditative state is when your brain, like the veil between your subconscious and your conscious is going to be more open. When kids are born, they don't have beta brain waves yet. And so that's why like everything that comes into them influences them and like hits them much harder than an adult because they don't have that protective barrier yet. And so their subconscious is just downloading, 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 downloading. And then we have to spend like our whole adulthoods trying to like overcome all this crap we downloaded as kids. Yeah. Um, isn't that fun? It's super fair. It all makes sense. Yeah. It, it's just great. Um, and so then, so you would want to do like practice meditations where you're visualizing like I am in tune with my body. I'm super healthy. You're visualizing your future self when you're um, feeling much better, when you're much healthier or what it would feel like, what it would look like, how you would identify with somebody who doesn't even have a porn addiction, who doesn't even use pornography as their buffer. Like you just kind of sit there and you meditate and that way like You've taken down that barrier and you're in a calm state and you can influence it. And it's actually going to help you progress much faster. Not like much, much, 
because you have to just be patient with the process. Work, yeah. But it does help. It's work. And so is, is this some of the things that you do and help your clients through for those listening out there? Um, yeah, yes and no. Like, um, I've never really done a meditation with a client. I do my own personal meditations and visualizations. But um, honestly, what I like to do with my clients is help them help themselves. And so I love to teach them all these tools that then they can take into their regular day life and use them. Um, And I like to bring awareness to them because if you automatically think, oh, I'm broken and I'm never going to be fixed and I can't get over this, right? Because you have tried so many times to get rid of whatever your thing is and you haven't, you're going to be feeling pretty down. Um, And I just want to remind you of why you're doing that. It's not because your identity is somebody who just has to have porn. No, that's just like a a layer. And that we're just trying to strip that layer off because your true identity, all of our true identities, we are love, we are light, we are mighty, we are strong, we are good. We are patient, right? Like these are the qualities that I believe that my God has, right? And that we are made in his image. And then we come to this earth and then we collect all of these things. It's It reminds me of those um, like octopus do it and I think crabs do it where they like go and they pick up shells and they like will decorate and camouflage themselves in it to hide themselves from predators. And we kind of do the similar thing. We think that our characteristics or our personalities are just the way that we are, but it's actually usually we had to become that way in order to survive, like as a kid, like, yeah, you're the funny kid because you wanted people to like you or um, you know, you come off as really aggressive when really it's because like you feel like super intimidated and anxious inside and you don't know how to handle it. Right. But if we can remember who we really truly are, that we aren't porn addicts, we aren't betrayers, we aren't adulterers, we aren't um, liars and cheaters and, you know, all these things. We aren't our, sorry. What? Oh, I was oh no, saying, I know. We yeah, aren't yeah. our diseases. We aren't our mental illnesses. Like those are actions. Those are behaviors. Those are things that are like happening to us. But that's not who we are. Yeah. Well, and I just wanted to like put it out there. I mean, for any, because, okay, we kind of came into this episode, right? Like wanting to talk more on marital things and stuff like that, which we'll touch. But um, I do. I like where this went though, because I think that as individuals, right, even if you're in a marriage, like you're saying, it's the two individuals that are struggling with their own individual things, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not, do you know what I'm saying? Whether or not that's yeah. like, okay, it's happening in your marriage, but it's your own individual traumas, things, histories, backgrounds, whatever. 
But I like where this is going because all of us are dealing with these demons. Sometimes all of us are dealing with these traumas, these things we have to work through, um, whether we are in a relationship or not. And so I like where this is going because I just, I feel like so many people out there need to hear, right? Because anybody could get on your social media, right? And be like, wow, she has just conquered this way of life and knowing and thinking and being her higher self and knowing how to control her thoughts and things like that. But it's like when, when people know the hell and the fight and the journey you've gone through to even get here and are you always perfected at it? No, nobody is. You have to continue to do these things every single day, even in in your own mind, somebody who is like more of in a professional level of right? Like teaching people this. And then you have someone like me who anybody can go look at my social media, right? Look at Brit. Oh, right. But like, I've been on my own journey for years trying to figure this shit out my own journey. And now just now recently with all of my crazy stuff happening, my nervous system shutting down, having to rewire these thoughts, rewire my brain, things like that. You can do it. I just want people to know out there it is possible. I I was like you, I just grew up. I'm broken. This is just me. I'm broken. Every guy leaves me. Everybody wants somebody better. I mean, I fed myself those thoughts for so many years that I finally landed myself in a good relationship with a good man. And I have shit all over my marriage at times because those thoughts bring you down. And then you get to a point where you're so deep in it, right? That you almost think I'm never how am I ever going to not be this way? This is just what I'm doing. And only now in my life, am I realizing, whoa, there is a different way. And it's almost like scary when you start to like get those, right. Those, those, those thoughts that you should have had, right. The higher self thoughts. And so I just want anyone to know out there right now, whether you are struggling in deep, areas of your marriage or personal or whatever, reach out to people like Lynn's reach out, get, if you can't do it yourself, cause that was me. I didn't know how to do it myself. There's all these, you know, you can get on and watch reels all day long, find people online, um, watch things, order programs, whatever it is, but I couldn't do it myself. I needed guidance. I needed help working with Lindsay was so incredible for me. It taught me so much. Right. And, and that's, it's not a humiliating thing. We all need help figuring mm-hmm. our shit out. And I think the biggest thing I wish somebody told me, and it was you who told me that, right? Hey, you can do this. You can live a different way. You can think a different way. And I want to be a person who can tell people that right now listening that feel like there is just no hope for them, that you can come out of that, right? That's just a side note, okay? That was my PBS talk, but... <laughs> I just no, like, I loved it. Give me goosebumps. Well, because I, I'm just so passionate about that. And we have different stories and different things, but it's like, we're all just going through something. And so I just wanted to put that out there. You can, you can make a difference. And there are so many avenues and people out there to help you like Lindsay, like, anyway, I just had to put that out there. But so as an individual, now let's talk Linz as marriage, what do you help, um, your married clients that come in and they're like, we're at shitty rock bottom help us. You know what I mean? Um, for those listening out there that might need some help in their marriage. 
Yeah. What kind of things do you, what do you think is the biggest thing in marriage? Like if, okay, if you could give somebody even advice on anything, you know what I mean? Like just some healthy tips of like communicating, like Mark and I are terrible communicators. Like we are so different. We do not know how to communicate. <laughs> that shit can hit the fan. Oh, yeah. So just in any areas, right? Like if, I don't know, just to throw it out there, let's talk marriage for a second. Okay. So, you know, I would say the first thing is to remember that you're both individuals. We come and we get married. And I know that the thing is like, then you become one. You're not one. You're still two separate people. (laughs) You're trying to figure your shit out and you're very separate people. And we just talked about all the trauma that comes like whatever people call it baggage or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't want to use like words that are disempowering because even you can see the results of that. Like you thought you were broken and for some reason your body keeps trying to break your marriage because until you stop believing that you're broken, you won't stop trying to break all the things in your life. Right. (laughs) And so like, I want to be careful with the words, but like we all come just being a human. This is part of life. This is, we are just a human being, we are a spirit having a human experience and we have to come with grace and compassion. Okay. And the next thing I would say is that when we're tired, when we aren't our best selves, we are going to have far less patience for our spouse. And so that means that we are not, when they say something to us, we will be more likely to misinterpret it and it will end up hurting our feelings or being offended by it or making us angry. Try to assume always that your spouse means the best, that they are not trying to hurt you, right? I feel like we need to repeat that five more times because that is a hard one. (laughs) Right? Like it's so hard because it's our own insecurities and it feels like your spouse just came in and is like poking your insecurities. But When I feel like Parker is poking at my insecurities, um, I try to just stop and I'll re-ask the question. I'll re-ask it. I'll be like, are you upset with me or are you trying, are you hurting my feelings? And I'm not doing it in a snarky way. I'm trying to clarify, right? I'm trying to ask clarifying questions, not because I think he's an idiot or because I'm (laughs) an idiot. I'm literally like, I don't want to get in a fight. And so I'm trying to ask clarifying questions because have you ever been like, we had this conversation a few months ago where I was like, are you mad at me? And he was like, well, I thought you were mad at me. And I was like, I'm not mad at you. And I was like, he's like, well, I'm not mad at you. But <laughs> we're both angry and snippy with each other. Because yep. we both thought the other one was that. And he's like, no, yeah. really, I'm actually just like tired and overwhelmed. And I'm like, me too. Yeah. There are so many times that because Mark and I are so different, he's the guy who's kind of like, all right, things are getting heated. Let's just sit down and watch a show and then go to bed and sleep on it. And then I'm the girl who's like, uh, I don't know how to just sit on a couch and not talk to you, then go to bed, not talk to you anymore. And then wake up in the morning and you go to work and we still haven't really, like, I I feel like I have to have things resolved 
And so it's a flaw of mine, but all, like, it's almost like I'm flawed. He's flawed. And then our flaws just suck together. Yeah. Because yeah. I need more able to just go, okay, whatever, let's just chill. And we'd probably be fine. Cause there's been so many times where we've argued way too far into the evening because I wanted that resolution, but he'd already shut off and we're just not communicating at that point. But then there's times where also, I feel like he could kind of come more in the middle too, and be like, listen, I love you. This is like, and sometimes we can do it. And sometimes we can't. And so it's just interesting how, what you're saying, it's so true. It's like, and then the next morning, everybody sleeps. And I feel like then you wake up and you're like, yeah, that was kind of dumb. I do love you. And that was weird. Why did we do Why did we even argue about that? It's like Jekyll and when you, like you're saying, when you're tired, do not. You just, (laughs) yeah. So the thing too, is that like, we all have different ways of handling confrontation. Um, and like for you growing up, you had to like be like your body took it from being assertive and standing up for yourself to being aggressive. And for Mark, like he had to disassociate. So he's more avoidant, like anxious avoidant. Um, so like you guys kind of repel and like butt up against each other. And so you're like the pursuer and he's a distancer and you're like chasing after him. And he's just like, ah! like running around like a bulldog chasing after him. And, and it's not that one way is better than the other. It's just how you guys both cope. And what happens yeah. is you're both kicked into um, fight or flight, which means your prefrontal yeah. cortex isn't like it's kind of gone offline and so you really can't like unless you both chill and calm down like you guys won't be able to have a civil conversation and it's not that you should just avoid the conversation altogether it's just that you need to learn to internally regulate which you are yeah right but you need to be like what am I making his comment mean And he can ask the same question and like, what is the purpose of me being angry? What is the purpose of me seeking? Like, am I trying to get validation for his love? Because sometimes we act really hostile when all we want is someone like, no, I love you so freaking much and give us the biggest hug. That, but that's the thing I don't feel like maybe some men or maybe it's just that personality maybe the women have that personality sometimes too in my situation it's mark where like that is so how it is sometimes i'm just like i really only just want him to throw his arms around me and just let me feel safe in this moment and it's almost like i'm fighting and then he's over there and he's like you want a freaking hug that makes no sense at all like why are (laughs) it's 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 such a true thing i know it's weird but it will regulate my nervous system hug me for at least eight seconds please (laughs) i know I need you to squeeze me. So I feel safe. No. And yeah. and that's the thing, but it's like, we fight hard, but I always say we love hard too. And that's why after eight years, we're still married, even though we've had some big shit, because it's like, we, when we love, we love hard. Right. But then when we fight, we fight hard. And so I'm like, um, we need to like, just not fight as hard, still love hard, but <laughs> yeah. not fight as hard. Right. Um, so I am preparing for, to speak at an event 
And um, I got really just like super nervous. And when I get really nervous and anxious, like I get really snippy and grumpy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because Parker and I have been through all this stuff and like we've been learning and teaching and I've been teaching him, he like grabbed my arm and he pulled me onto his lap in the office and he like held me and I pulled my legs up like without even knowing. And I got in like the fetal position on his lap and he just like rubbed my back. And it, like, after a minute, we started chuckling. And he's like, oh, you're a little baby. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm just like crew. I just want to be held. <laughs> I was like I'm sorry I was like I'm so anxious and nervous and he's like I can tell and so then he was just like holding me for a minute and then he slapped my butt and he's like okay get out of here right and I I coddled you (laughs) go on your merry way I know but it was like it it was just like it was so simple but it meant a lot to me because he knows me enough and we're not taking things so personally anymore that we now recognize like it's so important to know you're not competing against each other you're not competing for who's the most tired who's had a shittier day who's more emotional whose body hurts more you're on the same team right and if you guys can just like empathize with each other and like take turns being like oh, you've had a bad day and mean it. And then, oh, you've had a bad day and not think, oh, only one of us can have a bad day. Like, then you can reunite. Well, that's where it comes in. Where like, you're saying how the thoughts are so powerful too, because I think so many times in, in relationships where you have these miscommunications and these things, if I even walked away half of the time being like, okay, he loves me to death. He's just frustrated and tired and kind of grumpy. Our marriage would be so good, but my stupid brain, no, I love my brain. We're, we're learning, yes. but you know, human talk right now, my stupid brain would walk away and be like, oh my God, he hates me. He does not love me. anymore. He doesn't want to be with me. He probably just loves that girl at his work, or he probably wishes he never married me. Like, and it's just the spiraling thoughts, right? Where Mark's over there, just like pissed off and tired, but he loves me to death. So that's something I'm trying to, I'm learning in our relationship is like, Brittany, calm down, calm the fight or flight. Like just give the space. No, he still loves you. Cause Mark's always like, babe, there's no tigers outside your cave. He always says that to me. There's no tigers outside your cave. I love like, that. Yeah. He's always like, you're always just ready to, you know, like you think something's going to, bad's going to get you. And no, like, I love you. I'm just tired. And I'm just always thinking in my head how much I love you, but I suck at words. Like, that's what he says to me. Yeah. Well, that's how most of us are is like, like I'll be looking at my husband and I'll be like, oh, you look so damn hot, but I never say it. Oh, you know, I'm getting better at that where like I'm getting better at like grabbing his butt (laughs) when we're in the bathroom and stuff. But for (laughs) such a long time, I was afraid to open myself up to rejection. And I think that's a huge thing for couples is always being afraid of rejection, Mm. Um, especially for men, because we women, we get really tired and then like we forget how important and how amazing really truly when we can connect sexually with our spouse like how good it is for us um and so then our husband's like afraid of being rejected 
or you're afraid to be rejected. Like you're like, I really want to hold his hand or I really want to hug. Um, but I don't want to ask because he seems like he's grumpy. Right. So it's like, you're all afraid of rejection. Yeah. What happens Brit, if that one time he does say like, actually, no, I hate you. Like get out of the freaking house. Right. (laughs) You're, You're your brain literally is thinking that. And it's like, no, I have to protect myself for that one time that it might happen. Yeah. It hasn't happened in eight years, <laughs> but it happened two times before that. And so like, we have to be prepared, Brit. Yeah. My brain's always trying to prepare me. I'm always on the border patrol is always there. Oh yeah. Like, and you, I- you can say thanks border patrol, but like, we're okay. We're okay. Because even worst case scenario, you would be okay. You were okay before when your other two spouses were out of the picture and you would be okay again. And so it's like, it's reminding yourself, I am powerful. I'm amazing. And I choose to be in this marriage because I love him. I don't need him or I'm going to die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it is. I it's our thoughts are just so, so, so powerful and would save so many things if we knew how to control them better. I want to touch on this really fast with you, Lindsay. Um, first of all, you and Parker have really come through a lot and I've seen your marriage from, you know, when this happened a few years ago into where you are now. And I just feel so proud of you guys because like there are couples that don't make it through affairs. Right. And, and Wit and I, Wit's had an affair. We did that episode, um, in the beginning of our podcast years ago. And she opened up about that, uh, went a little differently. She married the guy she had an affair with, but, <laughs> um, <That's okay. laughs> whatever works, right. Works. But, um, yeah, a, a lot of people don't make it through that. And, and, and I'm actually somebody who always had those thoughts where I was like, oh no, even an emotional affair, there's no coming back for that for me. Cause I already know my struggles are just too intense to like trust again or whatever. Um, so for people that are going through that out there, I want to touch on that really fast. Um, how do I want to say this? What, how do you, um, Okay. I should have thought about this before I asked it, but how did you and Parker get back? Well, I mean, trusting and loving each other. <laughs> okay, sure. No, but like, I, mean, I didn't know if I wanted to specify like how did Parker get back to trust? But then, yeah, it is really both of you because you were betrayed by him as well. So when you have that marriage betrayal that goes down, um, how hard is it to get that back? I think that's probably people's most number one thought and question when there's an affair involved yeah. or betrayal. You know, I will say that even like, you know, there are other people who have like pornography addictions and then the other spouse has an affair. And it's like my therapist tried to tell me that it was like this subconscious, like get back at one another. Maybe it mm-hmm. is. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But really, I just think that it's it comes back to rejection and rejection feels like a betrayal. So whether like you. um, So say, for instance, you have a husband that has an affair and. um, There he also feels betrayed by his wife. Right. It wasn't like they had this perfectly happy marriage. 
And then all of a sudden, like, he's like, you know what? Susie looks really good at work. I'm going to go after her. No, like, <laughs> like a lot of thoughts, unfortunately, like digressed and digressed and worked their way and eroded the marriage. But it was like rejection, like the fact that he wasn't able to connect with the wife anymore. Um, no, I'm not saying for like, because there are people who will marry somebody and that person was cheating on them even before they even got married. And that's like a totally different ball game. So yeah, chronic cheater, cheaters or something. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying like that they're a hopeless cause. It's just like, we have to have boundaries and you can still love a person and not be stay married to them. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think everybody feels betrayed in these situations. Now, that doesn't mean that it's okay to go out and step out on your spouse and have an affair. What I did was extremely wrong and it broke Parker's heart and I felt like it was horrible. And that to watch him heal and everything and to learn and all of that, that was extremely painful. So like, that's a really shitty way to learn. And I do not recommend it for people. So if you're in it, like, you know, pull the brakes, get out, <laughs> not out of your yeah. marriage, but out of that affair. Um, But it took time. It takes time. And also it takes a lot. You have to change everything about your marriage. You're like, if you're going to stay in it, you have to be like, we are going to do this totally different. Yeah. We have to learn to have confidence in ourselves and learn to meet our own internal emotional needs more than we have been. Confidence goes a long way in a marriage. I'll tell you that. Like it really like kind of is like a protein shake for a marriage. Yeah. If you can get your own confidence um, because then you're not going to need so much validation because what if you expect this validation from your spouse and you don't get it and then you're making it mean that they don't love you but they love you the whole time yeah. I'll tell you my husband was completely blindsided he had no idea and he was like I thought we were so happy and I was like no I felt like neglected and like you didn't love me and it was because I like I felt like a victim, right? And I was like expecting him to validate me all the time and he wasn't. And so then all of a sudden this guy started telling me I was beautiful and all of these things. And I was like, this feels good. This is the right way to do it. There's not a right way to do it. Yeah. You know, you know, it's interesting too, because I've always thought about with affairs and it's like, really, it's all fun and games at first. But then I, this is where my brain always goes is I'm like, hmm. That dude might be into me now, but he's probably doing something shitty too. But like, you know, me and my life. <laughs> that's what I thought too. And that's why I was able to like, I just saw all these red flags and I was like, dude, if he's willing to do this to his own wife, then like what's stopping him from doing it to me? Plus, like, to be honest, like I truly, truly loved Parker. I just felt extremely disconnected from yeah. him. And I think like in one-off affairs for a lot of spouses, I think that they do love their spouse and they're like, but I do love you. And, and the other spouse is like, why would you cheat on me then? Yeah. And, and it just comes down to like, it had nothing to do with you and it had everything to do with me and not 
having awareness around my own thoughts, my own body, my own needs. I couldn't meet my own needs. And I was like open to the adversary. So, yeah. and it and it's hard because you're like, how do you not take it personal when your spouse has an affair on you? Right? Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. it's very personal. It's very violating. Like they gave something that was special and sacred to somebody else. Yeah. You know? And so it takes time to heal from that, but it's 100% possible. Okay. I love that. I just think for people out there going through some of the same things. Now I want to touch really quick before we end up here. Um, we reached out to our social media and we had people kind of write in like to ask you a question if they wanted to. And so I just want to read a couple of them and we'll just quickly, um, kind of touch on things. So someone had said like, what's your advice on this stuff? I guess when your husband wants to be intimate, but you are too exhausted from work and kids, I think this is a huge one in marriage. Um, I've always, I've always been kind of open with like, my intimate life and stuff. Cause I've had people like friends of my own say that, like, what the crap, how do you have a good sex life all the time? And I'm like, sometimes I feel like that's the only place Mark and I even know how to make it work. Like, <laughs> like we yeah. don't know how to talk yeah. and communicate, but like, we're good there. But like, I've never struggled with that. Like I've always had a good, you know, sex drive and intimate life and whatever that's our relationship doesn't struggle there. So that's why I'm like, I, I want your advice on that for people because I know there are so many women that are just like, uh, like it's a chore, right? That sex becomes a chore and that's hard and they don't even like it. Like I have friends that are like, I hate that I don't ever feel like it. So what's your advice on when, whether it's husband or wife or whatever it is too exhausted, how do you keep that alive? Um, well, I'd like to start by saying that your brain is actually your biggest sex organ. So we like if you want to have a healthy relationship in any way, shape or form of any form, you need to have a healthy brain. So you've got to take care of it. Um, and and then realizing that your brain is your biggest sex organ, it takes thought work to create sexual drive. So even if you feel physically tired and turned off, like the reason why is because you're thinking like, I'm too touched. Like, I don't want to be touched. I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do any work. I don't want to like be vulnerable, all these things. Like, and it might not be, it's a subconscious thing. And so you might automatically be like, no, but you really haven't slowed down the thought process to think, oh, what thoughts am I thinking to turn me off? Okay. Okay. Um, And then also just there is this book called Sex on the Brain by, um, let me look. His name is Daniel G. Amen. He's a MD. um, And I don't think that we talk about the benefits of sex for women often. Like it's not a thing. Like at well, it's becoming more of a thing. But I think we talk about the benefits of sex for men and how many times they need it and everything. And so then it does feel like a chore and it feels like sex is just for men. But like I've been listening to this book to help my clients and I've learned so much about sex and the benefits of sex for women and how it helps regulate our hormones and how like our uh, vaginas will absorb 
like some of the secretions from um, the semen and that like helps regulate like our vaginal tissue and like there are a lot of benefits to sex. So I think that if we had more thoughts about the fact that, oh yeah, sex isn't just for him, it's for me too. Now, if you're not able to like gain pleasure or like have an orgasm, it makes it harder, but like it's also your job to figure out what turns you on and then be able to like tell your husband and be like, nope, not that, not that. (laughs) Yeah, that does, you know, (laughs) right. We have to be able to communicate that and not feel intimidated or worried or whatever the stigma is that we have. But, you know, and then there's times where I'm just like, no, I'm really like, I, I don't have the brain capacity to even flip into that mode. But let me tell you this, like, I love you so much. And if you need to take care of yourself while you're (laughs) lying in bed next to me, go for it. I'm always always like, well, I'm down for a handy if you're okay with that for a minute. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's more work to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We had someone say, how does marriage change when you have kids? Haven't had kids kids yet. And I'm scared. I know that's kind of like a big, we we need to have you on for like a hundred more shows, but I mean, if you could just brief that down. Yeah. Let's just say that every time my husband and I sit down on the couch, at least one of our children comes and wiggles their way right in between us. Yeah. Um, and they take up a lot of energy and focus. And so I would say that's probably the biggest thing um, like I love my kids and they're totally 100% worth it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but they do, they take up more of the energy and the focus and that's like totally different thoughts. Like when I'm in mom mode, I don't, I'm not thinking like sexy thoughts really. Yeah. So it's hard to like flip back to being like, you know, wife mode and mom mode. And this is what I kind of, I mean, cause obviously I have a truckload of children. Um, <laughs> uh, you have to, like you're saying, kids are so worth it, but they do change everything. Yeah. You have more reasons to fight. <laughs> yeah. A lot more reasons to fight. Um, no, but I think date nights for me, it is so huge. A lot of people yeah. just stop dating And I will never, like, I will be making Mark do dates when we're like 70 years old still. Right. Because to me, you have to keep putting yourself first. You have to keep putting yourself first. I have friends that go all over the spectrum. Friends that are like, I can't leave the kids ever. And like, they don't travel and they don't do anything and they refuse to go. And then they're out and they feel guilty leaving the kids. Then you have people like me who are like, see you kids. I'm out. Like you're going to be fine. And you know, so there's lots of different types of parenting and things like that, but no matter what it is, if you are somebody that struggles leaving the kids or you have a new baby and you have that new mom anxiety where you're like, I can't leave them for that's okay. Even if it's an hour, even if you guys just escape and take a drive, you know what I mean? And talk, you have to keep dating. Now, a lot of people I feel like that are married for a while, right? It's hard. Like you go to dinner and you're like, oh, what do we talk about? The kids. No, you've got to find different things to talk about too. This is what I started doing with Mark. Um, I go onto Pinterest and I literally bring up conversation questions for date nights. 
And then we'll sit over a steak or something at dinner and we'll just like take turns answering 20 questions. And it's not like, oh, what's your favorite color? But like legit cool questions that you might not even know about your spouse, even though you've been married for X amount of years. Because to me, I always struggled with the fact that Mark doesn't, he's not a big talker. Mm-hmm. He, he he loves to talk to me and listen to what I'm saying. But then again, we go back to that as a woman, you're like, dude, come on. I need to be more fulfilled. Like ask me questions, ask me about my life, ask me about my podcast, ask me things. So I would always be angry about that for a long time. Right. Like I would always get mad and like kind of penalize him for that. And then one day it just clicked where I was like, this does not mean he doesn't love you. Right. It means that that's just not his personality. So if I want that communication and he's happy to have it on our date nights, I'm going to bring something else to the table. So even if you do have that situation too, where you're like, what do we talk about if we're alone? You got to figure out ways. But I think dating, don't you think? I think dating for sure. And just remembering it was you two first. Yeah. Right. And, and if you don't continue to put you two first, like you just said, then there's not going to be a you two. And then your family will fall apart and the kids will not, they'll suffer for it quite frankly. And, um, and so it's like, you know, I, I'll have people come in and be like, well, I have like nothing in common with my spouse anymore. Like I have nothing in common. It's maintaining those not, you don't even have to have something in common with your spouse for like a period of time, but at least take interest in something that they are interested in. Even if it's, hard and you don't like it at first there's nothing better than to see your spouse at least in my opinion light up about something that they're interested in and that they're passionate about and then you just get to love them and listen to them it doesn't have to be about something that you're interested in it's like you just get to listen and spend time with them and be with them and isn't that so awesome because normally it's like five of you all smushed together on the couch you know? <laughs> um okay I think we're gonna stop there there's I've got plenty more there's actually multiple ones that are about no libido anymore so maybe we just have to have like a whole blown oh yes we should just do a whole thing on that yeah I know um, we really do we want to have Lindsay I'm so sad that wit had to get booted off of here um but she like texted us both and she's like, keep going. Do not stop the show. This is going to be too good. Like, <laughs> but we want to have you on Lindsay. Honestly, we'd love to have you on multiple times talking about different, different areas and going more in depth with like the nervous system or just having, you know, something about parenting or things like that. We would love it. So, yeah. um, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share? I know we were kind of like all over the place here today. Um, just like, just a small, short recap of just like some little takeaways, right? Just marriage is not a competition. You're not in competition with your spouse. Always assume the best from your spouse, um, you know, and remember like, how would you want to be treated? You know, there's nothing worse than feeling like crappy and then being snapped at. Yeah, because you're feeling crappy. And so you wouldn't want to be snapped at. And so try your hardest to put yourself in their shoes and give them 
like grace, compassion, and curiosity goes a really long way. And then just remember, don't make it mean something about you, right? And always ask yourself, what am I making this mean if you find yourself getting worked up? Or your husband tells you um, that they've been using porn and you're like, what am I making this mean? You know, and and write it down and journal it and and really know, get to know yourself. Like, what am I making this mean? Because when these hard times come up, when these trials come up in marriage, if you can look at it with a perspective of, you know, these triggers are actually going to allow me to get to know myself better and see where I'm feeling insecure Um, where I need to grow a little bit more, where I need to stretch myself a little bit more, uh, you're going to come out like way more ahead than just thinking like, how could you do this to me? You know, all the time. Everything's happening at me. It's not. It's really not like you are in control of your experiences. I'm not saying you're in control of the circumstances that happen to you in your life. But you are in control of your experiences. I love that. Thank you. Um, this was awesome. I feel like you can help so many people because there really are people like me, like before I started learning about my brain and all of these things and my thoughts and traumas and things like that, I really just had no idea. And so I remember we would talk and I would just be like, Lindsay, I need to just talk to you every single day. Like you, (laughs) she really is. She's so incredible. You guys really, if anybody is interested in doing um, some life coaching with Linz, she is on um, Instagram at life coaching with Linz. And we will plug that into all of our things in the bottom of the episode. And then, um, Lindsay, is it your email just, or is this your website? lindsayclough.com? Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. that's my website. Um, don't judge me cause I build it myself. So really, if you're interested, just like DM me. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's great, but we'll put all the spelling and everything on there. And, um, she really is amazing. You guys, if anybody's needing just a little more guidance in themselves or relationship wise or anywhere in their life, um, Lindsay, she is good at what she does. This was, this was your calling in life. And I think it's very special when, like you were saying before, you don't condone like what you did and an affair is never the answer. But I think when someone can go through something so huge like that and turn it around, like you have, and oh my gosh, look at me getting emotional. You know, Brie always has to cry in an episode. Um, just cause I know you and I love you and Parker, and I've just watched your journey. And I think when you can like really turn around what you went through and help so many other people, like it is your calling. And it's like, when people go through kind of spiritual awakenings, like, I just love it. I love that. Um, I hope that one day I can take all of the shit I'm going through and turn it around and help other people as well. You are an inspiration. And I just want you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, wit, we love you and you're floating out in space, but (laughs) (laughs) yes, we missed you. We missed you. We had you for a minute. Um, but until next time, you guys, like I said, we're going to have Lynn's on again and again. Um, but let's keep it real. Yep. Bye.